Hello, welcome to Twig72 on the podcast today. We have myself, Joe Kim, Eric Kress, and Adam Telfer. And the news we will be covering today starts with GDC 2020 has been canceled by TechCrunch. Secondly, state of word games, rising revenue, emerging markets by Sensor Tower. Third, epic question super data on Fortnite figures by gamesindustry.biz. And finally, Roblox raises 150 million Series G led by Andreessen Horowitz, now valued at $4 billion by TechCrunch. How are you guys doing? All right. Can't complain. Yeah, good. So I think we're going to rush through this one, right, Adam? You got a hard stop. So we can yeah, sorry. Let's roll. We'll, we'll, we'll start rolling. So start with updates, and I've got three quick updates. First of all, I've got to give a shout out to my blue dude, Sonic the Hedgehog. The movie passed $210 million at the global box office and still hasn't gotten to Japan yet. And as a former Sega employee, I got to say, I'm incredibly happy to see the success of Sonic at the theater. I haven't seen it yet since I've been in India, but I can say all the social media posts on Facebook and LinkedIn have all been pretty positive. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. Second update, Final Fantasy VII remake demo is out now and available on playstation store so i would highly recommend if you have oh a place make it stop come on <laughs> it's not it's not actually happening it's just it's a it's a mirage but i'm downloading it but i will see if it actually plays so we'll All see right. okay so you can let us know how it is next week i won't be back in the states until for another week so it'll be so you can let us know how good it is or or not all right i'll give my my review Cool. As a third update in more unfortunate news, DNA, not to be confused with Dana, impairment loss, $427 million of which was from a loss on their games business. The business got written down to $87 million. DNA's primary titles include Mario Kart Tour and Chinese mobile game Slam Dunk. And I believe Slam Dunk is also a Japanese anime order manga. So gamesindustry.biz, which reported this, seemed to indicate this may be due to a huge miss on Mario Kart Tour. Those are the updates. Yeah, I don't really quite understand how they could do an impairment charge based upon Mario Kart Tour. So I didn't do any research on this, so I will bow out. But I will say that this company was at 3,500 yen, and now it's like at 1,400 yen. And it was all built around the hype around this relationship with Nintendo. And clearly, both this relationship has been a disaster for both companies because they haven't come out with any good mobile games with the exception of uh, the uh, RPG. So anyway, that's really terrible. This is, I mean, they, they put, you have to understand when they do these type of relationships, they are out on the road talking to investors, building it up, building up the hype, giving them details. It's like, it's a whole thing, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a big deal for them, particularly given where they were in, in the market before. So these, this failure for Nintendo to actually make money on mobile, again, with the exception of uh, Fire Emblem, is, you know, they had a lot, of their, a lot of the future of their company rested upon that. So this impairment charge is a big deal for them. And so they kind of have to maybe rejigger the whole company and, and, and start making games for themselves again, I suppose. But... Anyway, bad news for D- DNA. And uh, oh, and one other mention that I want to do is uh, so we keep on talking about the state of 
Activision and Blizzard and, and these uh, Call of Duty teams. I just ran into an old sledgehammer guy and he had really nothing good to say <laughs> about Activision. But anyway, uh, Jason Bodell, Bondell, who I don't know, but he was the co-head of Treyarch, has left the studio after 13 years. So look, these guys have a deep bench. It's not like him leaving is going to like leave them in the lurch, but they are right in the middle of like sprinting to the finish line for the next Call of Duty. And I don't think this is a good sign necessarily of things to come potentially. And and again, I, I do think that this new this game is is going to be rushed and the quality is going to be far less than last year's version, which could be a big concern for Activision going forward. But Jason leaving is definitely not a good sign and 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 has the potential of of further exodus, right? Because basically it's the same thing that happened to Sledgehammer. The two founders leave and then they create their own studios and they steal all their people, right? I mean, because they're loyal to the to these leaders. These leaders are 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 big, you know, huge like personalities and people that people want to follow and and go. And given all the funding that's going on right now with Andreessen, you know, all the money that's being thrown around one one up and you know London Ventures and all the rest of them. Uh, Jason could start a studio in like five seconds, right? I'm sure he's already getting calls constantly. So anyway, uh, another kind of, you know, people leaving the Activision ship right now. Uh, we'll see. And we'll see how the game actually manifests itself this year. You know? All right. Next for the next bad news. Go ahead, Joseph. <laughs> All right. So starting with our first article, GDC 2020 has been canceled. As everyone out there likely already knows, and as reported by TechCrunch, GDC 2020 has been canceled. So the conference organizers have announced that they plan to reschedule for, quote, later in the summer. And according to the article, GDC organizers will be refunding conference and expo attendees in full. So good news on that side. But I would say one slightly weird note about the TechCrunch article is that if you read the article URL, it says GDC 2020 has been postponed, but the title at the time I read it, then read canceled. So it looks like they did some back and forth on the title wording. I guess if there is no definite plan for a future date, and if that date may conflict with Gamescom, and you have to reset all of your speakers, I feel like that would be more of a cancel rather than a postpone. I kind of feel like there's probably a good chance GDC actually doesn't get postponed, but actually just misses 2020. So, you know, my take on this is that this all kind of played out a little bit weird. The other thing to note is that GDC did get canceled just days after they were saying the conference would still go on. But it was starting to become really obvious that the event just had to be canceled after we start to see more and more companies drop out. So, you know, Facebook, Unity, Supercell, Microsoft, Jam City, Epic, et cetera, et cetera. And there was a lot of discussion about and debate about whether GDC would be canceled or not ahead of all the pullouts. But I think the thing the guys who kept saying GDC won't be canceled were missing is just really the legal liability issue, right? So simply put, Soon as the lawyers weigh in about liability from sending employees out, I think just having worked at large companies before, it's kind of obvious that the bigger guys were just going to have to pull out because of the legal issues. And that in turn would force GDC conference organizers to cancel. Adam and I were going to do a G GDC talk together representing Deconstructor Fund, but we'll have to scrap that until the next GDC or whenever. 
And it's just really a bummer because GDC is one of my favorite conferences, aside from RobioCon, which I wasn't invited to last year. Uh, I do think a lot of people are still going to be coming up to San Francisco who can't get travel routes funded. So if anyone wants to meet up with myself, Eric, and Adam, we're going to be around. So let us know. Maybe we can hang out. And then just to talk about the virus a little more, because I know there's been a ton of talk about the virus. From what I'm reading and hearing, the CDC has said that the outbreak is definitely not containable. And it's just kind of going to kind of be a matter of time before this is just like flu season, cold season, and then we're going to have coronavirus season. And uh, there has been one confirmed case of coronavirus in the SF Bay, so probably a good thing that uh, GDC was canceled. And public service message for, for you guys that masks actually don't help you that much, especially if you touch your face to adjust the mask. I've, I've been, so this is my expert. So I'm not a doctor, but from what I've seen, if you actually get a mask and adjust it a lot, it's really more about touching your face. So if you like put your hand on a surface and it's like, there's like someone coughs on it, the virus can last for hours or days. People are thinking hours, but they're not sure. And then you touch your face and you, you basically got it. Now, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to just talk about is that, you know, there's a lot, a lot of discussion about whether this thing is just going to blow over fast, but also wanted to just postulate or to keep in mind a black swan scenario. So Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Hold on a minute. All right. I, I have to stop you, dude. Okay. Just stop. All right. Okay. How, how could you claim to be an expert at the coronavirus, dude? You're like a, you're a lowly video game executive. You know, like that has no business. I'm I mean, I, I, have I seen CDC credentials or something? Okay, I'm going to stop you right here and say this. This is why shit doesn't spread in the U.S. is because we cancel shit in which things can spread in the U.S., right? Okay. And so, like, this thing is going to blow over in, like, a, a few weeks or a few months or whatever. It's, it's not that big a deal, right? Stock market's going up again today. We're all good, dude. You know why? Because we're the U.S. of A. And uh, we're good. So this is not the Black Plague. This is not like, come on, get, get, get over yourself, dude. Stop talking out of your a-hole and let's move on. All right, let's move the on. Gaming move stuff. On. Adam, what do you got? <laughs> you want me to comment on GDC or not? <laughs> <laughs> There's not much more to say, really. I, I just think the weird thing is just the postponement, especially with Gamescom and E3 during the summer. Like, when are they actually going to be doing it and when are they going to get the attendance? I mean, I, I do think, I, I, for GDC perspective, I think it is really sad because it is a great, great environment for indies and smaller people to talk about what's going on in the industry, to meet with, you know, potential employees and, and all that stuff. And I think, that, you know, it, that's kind of the serve that, that this thing has, the service that this thing has for uh, developers. And so it's kind of sad to see it go. But my sense is there's just no way they're going to reschedule this. Like the logistics of that are seem impossible, right? And and not to mention, I don't even know if we're going to be out of the woods by by June or July or whatever, the end of the summer. But again, now I'll put my own GDC, <laughs> my own CDC hat, not GDC hat, and say like, you know, this thing could blow over during the summer months when when when, when the hot heat comes. But regardless, it doesn't matter. There's just no way. I think this is just going to be likely canceled and we'll come back next year but I, as you said we are around so if anybody wants to, wants to hang out we're going to be uh, uh goofing around in the city so let us know all right let's move on to the next article so um this one comes from sensor tower 
um, state of word games, rising revenue and emerging markets. Um, main point here being on based on future modeling using the sensor tower store intelligence data, the mobile word game genre is poised to expand both its share of global downloads and its reach this year. Uh, that's a quote from the article. Um, Sensor Tower is basically just extrapolating the latest trend of increased revenue from word games that the category will grow roughly about 19% in the revenue year over year. Um, what they're saying is fueling this is an increase of spend from APAC, uh, while U.S. spending has actually gone down. Um, APAC is spending as a percentage of the category has gone up. But this is odd to me. Like the big oddity here is that looking solely at in-app purchase revenue, which is weird for word games since they are definitely dominated by ad-based revenue. So categorizing this, this genre by the revenue just seems very, very weird. These games are definitely built a lot closer to hyper-casual design than typical in-app models because word games fundamentally don't really monetize all that well. Um, and actually many have tried over years to actually apply typical casual models like Candy Crush Saga to this genre and failed, mainly due to a mix of skill and luck in the core game. So really, when looking at the category, we should just be looking at download growth globally and kind of inferring based on ad revenue models there. Um, they're reporting it will go up by about 10 or 7% on iOS and 33% on Google for downloads. And that gives you a better idea of how the category is actually growing in comparison to, say, other hyper-casual or ad-driven models. Um, and I would say really the, the one takeaway that I would push from this is that like, board games overall have actually had a pretty good resurgence over the last five years. You've likely seen it in the free downloads, games like Wordscapes, Word Collect, Four Picks, One Word, Word Search. Um, and this is mainly for, I would say, smaller developers or hyper-casual developers, um, because it's been this kind of like safe haven for smaller developers, similar to, say, idle games, um, for companies like Calibri, um, where it's a low CPI genre, because no big guys can monetize there. Um, that can actually retain very effectively. Word games are known for actually having a pretty good retention curve. Um, they can actually have effective live content because it's pretty cheap to produce and can be driven by ad revenue, which feeds into casual games that, of course, would be bidding like crazy for these players. So it's low cost to produce games and low cost to grow them. Uh, while there's been some small successes here, um, they can actually retain some of these small studios for years. And that's why I think Scopely is actually trying this, this genre with Scrabble Grow, um, Scrabble Go, and I would expect more casual companies to jump into this genre. Um, Eric? Yeah, actually, I, I, I wish I paid a little bit more attention to the article. I, I'm actually kind of impressed with uh, Sensor Tower going out on a limb here, you know, and creating some forecasts for like a, a genre. Good for them. But it kind of points out <laughs> part of their, the problem with their data set is that they don't track the advertising stuff, which is kind of the primary driver of this business, as far as I understand it, at least for uh, for Zynga's game, correct? Yeah, I mean, the, the monetization is really low, like dollar, $2 RPI revenue per install, yeah? Yep. Mr. Adam. Um, so the latest thing that we're looking at is based, yeah, Scrabble Go from Glue, right, which is coming out soon. This thing has got to be the record for beta though. This thing has been out in beta since 2017. I mean, that has gotta be a record, right? That's like almost, that's three years. That's insane. All right, it's actually two years, but anyway. Um, but again, these these games, are, I, 
all I've really looked at is words with friends. I don't really know about the other games, but like, you know, it's almost a hundred percent tier one English for obvious reasons, because they're word games. <laughs> right. And so, uh, and you know, I think they make money and they have a lot of stability in terms of user base. But, uh, I think the big upside for them is to figure out how to monetize it outside of advertising, which no one seems to have done, but Scrabble go is looking like a huge improvement to words with friends. Certainly it's a risk to, uh, Zynga going forward but uh let's see if uh um if uh did i say glue no let's see if scopely can get this game out i don't know if i said that but scopely let's see if they can get that out and 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 compete directly against words of friends so i don't know it's interesting i'm I'm kind of happy that super data is kind of taking more of a proactive approach uh and and what is wrong with me this morning yeah <laughs> Tower is taking a proactive you're rambling approach. man you're rambling i am <laughs> um all right, cut it out there. Move on. JK? Oh, actually, I've got just one note here is I actually have been able to talk to the management teams, a couple of these smaller word game companies, and they were a little bit less optimistic in terms of their prospects. Like what I've been hearing is that when I talk to them, they say the big winner is actually Facebook because Facebook is taking all their margins. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just, just a perspective on that. Facebook is taking their market? What? all their margin right oh, margin so okay yeah because they got to just pump everything into marketing okay got it yeah again i find it hard to believe that any game that can't monetize better than two dollars a share or two dollars an install is surviving out there given this whole market is basically ua arbitrage right and i don't know if you can acquire users for that little anymore even even for a word game but after the break, Epic questions Superdata on Fortnite figures and Roblox raises $150 million, now valued at $4 billion. That's coming up. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Twig. Epic. So Epic can't stay out of this freaking news sphere here. Um, so basically, the article is Epic questions Superdata on Fortnite figures. And basically, the article summary is this, is that Superdata, Epic is saying that super data numbers are crap, right? Um, and, you know, ironically, I didn't see them complaining about super data numbers when they are, were up and to the right. So I don't know why they're coming out here. And ironically, I think I actually know the guy uh, that was probably behind this. I'm sure Sweeney had his, his ranting about, about super data and, and their reporting, but I know the guy came from Activision that might be there who <laughs> may have been contributing to this. But, Anyway, I'll have to reach out to him. But, okay, first off, I am not defending Superdata. I have heard from multiple industry sources that their data is off by a huge margin on a regular basis. And I can't, I'm not testifying to the validity. Their whole methodology is based upon panel data as far as I understand it. And panel data has historically been extremely inaccurate um, given all kinds of reasons that I'm not going to go into right now. Um, but what I can defend is I think they are the only source and a decent source for trends. Because if you are, have the similar methodology or the same methodology for every month, you may be inaccurate on a monthly basis, but you should be relatively accurate against your own data. So they're good in sense of predicting trends. And I have seen some of their data and it has predicted trends pretty successfully, generally speaking you know, for things like NBA and FIFA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, 
what I didn't like about the article was that, you know, if you're going to criticize some data source on the data, then why don't, and and you're sitting on a piles and piles of data on your game, why don't you support it with some data, right? Why is it, oh yeah, they suck. Well, why do they suck? You know, they have the ability to say something and throw data out there at Epic and say, you know, what's going on, right? Is, is Fortnite actually up year on year? You know, is that what's happening? Are January's numbers looking better than history? History's like, has, has shown before, you know? Is this season performing better than other seasons? Just throw something out there to like, you know, kind of defend your argument that Super Data sucks. You know, EA or Activision, if this kind of data comes out, would at least like throw out some bullshit stat like MAU or DAU or engaged players or some other wacky stat to help support their argument, right? But instead, all they just say is super data sucks, right? So it's not really all that interesting. And and as I said before, when they were up and to the right, they weren't complaining about the super data accuracy, right? So I'm not really sure to do with what to do with this information that they're providing us. You know, it's extremely... It is extremely clear to me that Fortnite is down, down a lot, right? It could be as much as 30%, 50% year on year, depending on what time frame you're looking at, right? And so for some actual numbers that I do believe are relatively accurate, if you look at like Sense of Tower App Annie, I think January is down anywhere between 40 to 50% from January 2020 is down 40 to 50% from January 2019, right? That's not good, right? They also delayed their season pass. So we'll see what February looks like. The last three months are down 20% from the prior three months. Um, and they're basically averaging 15 to 20 million on mobile a, a month for the last six months versus 40 to 50 million per month during their peak. So things are not going up and to the right. They're certainly going down. And if you really want to criticize those that are trying to estimate the market, then throw some data out there that can help support your argument. That would be what I'm saying. And what I will say is that Fortnite's not doing well. <laughs> and I'll stick with that one. Any other comments, Mr. Adam? No, not really. It's just a funny <laughs> article, just because both sides being pretty flawed. I think just in, in general, Superdata's approach is pretty sketchy. And I, App Annie and Sensor Tower tend to be much more accurate. Uh, I'd love for some of these articles to throw up things like margin of error on some of their data. But I, I know that would not make a sexy headline. But yeah, and then just clear Epic's trying to control the message around Fortnite. But that's it. Yeah, I mean, to be clear with anybody that hasn't been involved with this, looking at this kind of space before, there basically is no resource for digital data like this, like free-to-play stuff uh, that's on the stores, whether it's PC, console. And so the only source, you know, there's M-Science and Yipit, which do kind of a, a, a same type of thing, a credit card panel that has shown to be a little bit more accurate to some degree, uh, but they don't, they don't actually, well, actually, I don't know if that's true or not, but they don't try to do a holistic view of the market and all games. They're really focused on, on, on specific type of games um, and specifically geared more towards investors. But Superdata tries to aggregate. And as a, as a side note, Superdata was acquired by, damn it, I knew I was going to forget this. Nielsen. 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 And uh, <laughs> the founder of Superdata just left. <laughs> so perhaps things Starting are not going to, with Treyarch. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah, per, yeah, perhaps <laughs> things are not going so well with that acquisition and maybe their data set is actually getting weaker. I don't know. But uh but uh the fact that he left so early, I imagine 
working for a big company like Nielsen would be quite quite a a uh, change <laughs> for someone like that because he was a pretty much of an optimer. I really liked that guy actually. I met with him a little bit, but anyway. So perhaps that's part of it too. Maybe they're you know declining quality of their data. Who knows? Uh, so anyway, moving on. All right, last article. Roblox raises $150 million Series G led by Andreessen Horowitz, now valued at $4 billion. So in summary, online gaming platform Roblox just raised that $150 million. Further, the companies will open a tender offer for up to $350 million of common and preferred shares. And some quick stats on Roblox, 115 million monthly players, largely Gen Z has over 2 million active developers that earned 110 million in 2019, up from 70 million in 2018. And its user base spends 1.5 billion hours per month on its service. Also recently, Roblox has been developing a lot of additional tools for the developers, especially catered towards more realistic 3D experiences and the, their marketplace where creators can sell tools to other devs. So last year, Roblox was valued at 2.5 billion, and with this recent funding, is now valued at 4 billion as per the article title. Anyway, great to see more success from Roblox. I'm a fan, my kids are fans, and we've also recorded some stuff with them. I think we've got more stuff we're going to record with Roblox as well. Hi, Dark. Oh, yes, we are gonna be <laughs> <Okay>. talking. <laughs> I hope so. We heard back from them, yes. Go ahead, right. continue. Okay. So. So my take on this is all great. Roblox is killing it as usual. And the only kind of problem, not a problem, not really an issue with Roblox, but kind of one issue is just that we've been making fun of these investors who seem to be flooding into these key themes like sandbox game platforms. And my fear is that in this specific category, that given the success of Roblox, the category will likely get overinvested. And Kind of like if you're going after the kids market, you're going to have to compete against Roblox for the kids and young adult sort of creator audience. And if Microsoft ever makes a similar platform for Minecraft, but then on the adult side, I think this type of no code, low code sandbox stuff is great for kids, but I don't think it really makes a lot of sense for adults. I mean, I think a lot of adults have jobs, may lack the creativity of younger kids. So I just don't think some of these deals targeting an older creative creator audience. I don't know. I'm, I'm just very skeptical. So I, I'll just leave it at that. What, what's your take, guys? I mean, but on the creating side, like it's a 95, 5% rule, right? I mean, 5% create and 95 consume type thing. I mean, like. Probably even need, more. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a lot of people to help build the content as much as you need people to consume the content. And so I, I again, I've said this before, I think their biggest challenge is to get older, but you know, attract more older audience and maybe Manticore starts taking that audience away from them. I don't know. But anyway, quickly, I, I'm relatively uninformed on this. I think I will talk to, you know, Buddy and Dreesen soon so, to get some kind of color. But generally, these type of rounds, like late in the cycle, particularly when they're as profitable as these guys are, these are just people cashing out, right? These are like either early investors or likely employees, like uh, senior level employees that are cashing out some of their equity because there's no way they actually need this money. And I'm not really even sure if they really need Andreessen all that much. But so I'm happy for all the new millionaires out there that are and a little jealous that I'm not participating, frankly. 
but you know, investors wanted 350 million, right? And they settled for 150, kind of, which shows the demand for these type of companies out there. But I imagine the company wanted to keep it kind of light because they want they don't they want their company they want their employees to be rich, but they don't want to be fuck you rich and leave, right? So they got to keep people motivated. <laughs> With their equity, so they only can cash out a certain amount of their shares. I would imagine is probably what happened. But anyway, good for Roblox, um, good for the employees, good for the shareholders. I guess the only concern I have is, you know, now they're worth four billion. Um, they have to live up to that valuation, right? So they have to continue to grow and scale and and get get more and more profitable. And and, and but I think. Kind of their trajectory, you know, if they solve some of the challenges they have ahead of them, they likely will be able to get to that valuation very easily. Any, Adam, anything? Hmm. Not much. I would just say on the product strategy around these kind of like sandbox games, right? Like if we look at Minecraft, um, I've heard rumors that things like Fortnite were actually specifically targeting that audience and saying what would happen if the Minecraft audience got older, what types of games would they play? next um that was mainly fortnite save the world not battle royale so you can kind of get a sense of how well that worked for them but i think also with the minecraft side you've got microsoft trying to build out a whole bunch of sandbox games right now yeah. targeting a little bit of an older audience um we covered that slate before but a lot of those sandbox games could be seen as targeting like um lapsed minecraft players also there was just the the recent game called dreams by the um little big planet team Get their name, but yeah, that game kind of gives like a pretty deep tool set. PS PlayStation only. It's been getting some headlines. I've I've enjoyed playing it, but yeah, it's PlayStation only. It's such a limited audience. Look, I question anything that Sony tries to do on the online front. Right? They really have no software as a service to speak of. I've been doing this big project for an investor on next gen hardware, and I think Sony's biggest risk, just in general is that they have no capability internally, despite the thousands and thousands of people that have in their studio org, to build like software as a service, which is like a common, I mean, they, they don't have people that could build FIFA or you know anything like GTA or anything like even Rainbow Six, a game like that. It's like, it's like unbelievable that, that their studio org doesn't have that. Um, that's where I think Microsoft may win in the back half potentially is if they can build something out of Minecraft that it can appeal to broader audience beyond like the core gamer and and create you know uh, an early metaverse type thing around the minecraft franchise or they partner with other companies like manticore or Montico, whatever the hell you call that you know i think microsoft is definitely further along on on creating and building these type of models not only but not only the the creation model but also subscription models etc so anyway I, i've just been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks and it's just really interesting. So Sony has a huge advantage in the first three years of the cycle, given all the content that they have. But in terms of where the where the puck is heading, I think there's a lot of risk there. Yeah, we've covered that in the past as well, talking about the Microsoft slate, thinking at whether <laughs> Sony's capabilities will ever catch up to them. And if Sony, if, if there is a service that comes out, the only risk that would come is if, say, Microsoft owned that service, um, pulling players away from the Sony ecosystem. Otherwise, if it's really trying to be a major service, they're going to end up having to be on every platform, including Sony. Right. No, that's true. But if I was at Microsoft for a day, I mean, I would just build the most compelling experience possible for Minecraft on 
Xbox group Sony right? and PC. Yeah, of course, yeah. and try to own that audience and um, build out that that capability. And I think if I'm reading into their slate enough, they should be focusing a lot more on sandbox games. And I think a few of those next slate games are trying to target that, and they're trying to shift some of the developers towards sandbox. But yeah. Difficult. Yeah, and my recommendation for Sony is to acquire Roblox, but there's no goddamn way that Roblox would have anything to do with Sony, right? I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, there, there's just no way. I don't care what money they have to spend on it. C certainly Sony's not aggressive enough to do that anyway because they're resting on their own success at this point. Um, but, I mean, that's what's going to be interesting, the dynamics of this next cycle as to whether content like this can actually expand the demo outside of the core and and build uh, the platform. And, and a lot of people think that PC is the platform, you know, with the success of Fortnite and, and mobile and all this other stuff. But the console offers a lot of benefits to the consumer. So if you can create a great experience there for a broader audience, I think people will come, similar to what happened with the Wii and the PS2. You know? And, you know, I think in the back half, that's what we're going to be looking at um, as these tools come to market. But that's a whole other discussion and uh, something I'm starting to think about. All right. That was a quick one. Yeah. Thanks. I, have to I, guess, I, I guess when, when, I when Mishka's not here, the only one that's rambling is me. So yeah. <laughs> maybe that's all. It seems our energy levels are down a bit on this podcast, but hopefully we'll, we'll Maybe we're just here. all sad about GDC. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sad. Yeah, I, I'm always looking forward to GDC. It's always a great week. <laughs> well, maybe there'll be some more triggered... Uh, headlines next week about Ken Sweeney's coming right for you directly <laughs> for you <laughs> oh my god okay anyway have a good week guys and we will chat soon all right bye, bye.